Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. We've been married now almost two years. So our first date was dinner at the Cheesecake Factory and it lasted about six hours and the conversation just sort of flowed. Um, Chuck showed up an hour early to make sure the table was ready when I got there. I'm like, wow, this guy's something special about him. And uh, I just felt like everything he was telling me were things I had been waiting for and praying for. He was just talking about what it means to be a godly man, what it means to take care of a woman, and what it means to honor her and cherish her, and things that he wasn't saying it really to impress me. He was actually talking about what he was telling his sister and her relationship advice. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's what he thinks? This, this is going to be going somewhere. At that point in time, I wasn't looking. So uh, it was interesting because I had basically given up like I, on dating. I just was like, you know what, uh, I, I to some extent was thinking that there was just no one out there for me. Well the interesting thing was we met online. We actually found out that we both went to Liquid and we went to different campuses. So we had so never met. We had never met. I, at the time, Mike Leahy was my campus pastor over at Morristown. I went directly to him and said, do you know a girl named Amanda? Farag, and he said, I think she actually serves on the worship team. I'll check things out. So it's kind of like our pastors helped. That got the, the first date, actually. As different as we are, and we are very different people, uh, we just, it, it just clicked, and it just seemed that this was, this was who God made for me. And I think that was probably around the time I told my parents, I think I'm going to marry this boy. Chuck's proposal was amazing. Uh, so it was my birthday, and we did this photo shoot through all these spots in New York City and the very last one that's when he proposed so the proposal is captured on camera which is just so special he actually asked a friend from our life group Sean to be there and he sang marry me um, so he was waiting in the garden uh, singing and playing on guitar marry me by train which ended up being the song I walked down the aisle to at our on our wedding day uh, we had actually a couple other friends from our life group. Our life group's a very big part of our life, so a couple friends were hiding in the bushes and had been waiting up there for a couple hours, waiting for us to show up, and it was just so special. It was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. All right, hey, welcome to Liquid, everybody. Great to see you guys. Let's hear it for Chuck and Amanda. That's kind of a cool story. That is a modern love story for sure when you have... Two different people, man and woman, they meet online and then realize they attend the same church. Uh, that's one of the benefits of being a multi-site church. It kind of broadens the dating pool a little bit. Uh, so if you're uh, in Nutley or New Brunswick or Mountainside and you're single, get ready. This could be a big day for you. Uh, our, our campus pastors, attend, you know, we officiate dozens of weddings every year. It's one of the reasons we're going to talk more on that in a little bit. But if you're single, I understand your discouragement at times, uh, you know, with a relationship series. You know, if you still haven't found Mr. or Mrs. Right, you know, people will sometimes say, oh, you know, don't worry. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Have you seen fish in the sea, what they look like, all right? You know, whoever said that never <laughs> seriously looked at the ocean. Uh, or even if you're married, uh, we, I was praying with some members of the worship team before this service, and we're going around, and, and she, there was one woman, she just goes, oh, you know, we've been married 15 years. I said, oh, well, what did you do for Valentine's Day? And she literally, she goes, we ate leftovers and worked on our taxes. You know, that's like 15 years of marriage, right? Uh, I understand, you know, relationship series can be tough, but I want to encourage you. That's why we're giving away uh, the new book. Did you read this this week? I hope you got a copy of it. You married the wrong person. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It was helpful. I wanted to write a book on relationships that men might actually read, okay? Uh, guys, I don't want to give away our secrets, but the truth is, if you're like me, you get handed all the time, these thick book on relationships from, from women in your life, could be your mom or your girlfriend, your fiance, right? they give you these big things and, you know, like seven steps to rekindle romance. Ladies, we don't read them, okay? We are very polite about it. We say, oh, thank you. This looks good. And then we use it as a doorstop. We just, we don't even read them, but, but the reality, this actually, this, let me show you this. This book, this is a real marriage book that belongs to a female member of our staff. Would you just look at it? There are post-it notes and stickies. There's cards falling out of it. I said, she goes, my husband has the same one. This is his. Okay, it's literally, the pages are white. It's never been cracked. She goes, when I dust, I lift it up, dust, and put it back. You put it back right down. 
And so I was like, could, it, could I write a short book that's short, accessible, hopefully make you laugh, and you can read it in just about under an hour. And, uh, and so we have those copies for you. If you're new here, we'd love to give you a free copy, and, uh, and we'll have those out in the lobby after today's service. We put a tear card in your program. You just fill that out, take it out there. We'll give you a copy. You can pick up extra if you need or it's on Amazon, Kindle, iBooks. We put in all the formats so that you can get it. What I want to do is write a book that uh, really drills and, and explodes this myth that there is your one true soulmate. You know, there's one Mr. or Mrs. Wright who if you find them, they'll complete you and all your dreams will come true. The reality is, you know, we all marry the wrong person. That's, that's a liberating idea to admit. And so today, for week two of our series, what I want to do is I want to drill down into a topic I touched on last week, and that's the subject of living together, or couples who decide to cohabitate prior to getting married or instead of getting married, because hands down, did you know, this is the fastest growing form of family in the United States. Like more than marriages, more than any other arrangement, living together in the West, statistically, almost 60% of all adults will live together with somebody before getting married or instead of getting married. So it's now the majority. In other words, it's normal to live together. It's a normal part of modern love. And a lot of couples view uh, living together kind of as a step towards marriage or as a way to test drive the relationship before you make the big commitment. And the question for us today is, does living together truly give both men and women what they're longing for? And I want to answer that question today in a message that I have entitled, Lord of the Rings. And I hope you're going to enjoy this. And I want to be real upfront about this. I am not talking about this to demonize anybody or bash anyone who's living together or, you know, or if you've lived with somebody. I remember back in my parents' day, you know, like old school preachers would be like, you know, you're living in sin, you're shacking up, you're going to hell. That's not, that's not why we're doing this. My heart as a pastor is I want, I want you to have a highly happy, healthy relationship. That's my heart. And I want you to avoid some of the mistakes that a lot of couples make who kind of blindly go along with cultural trends. Because the average age at which adults get married today is now the highest in human history. The highest in human history. 27 years old on average for women. Men 29 years old on average when they get married. The highest in human history. And most adults today are marrying later in life. Some for financial reasons. Uh, they can't afford it. Or they're deciding not to get married at all. And so I just want to start by acknowledging this. This may sound strange for a pastor to say, but on one level, living together actually makes sense. You could be a rational adult and actually conclude that living together is a good way to kind of test drive the relationship before you make a big commitment. I mean, you, we've all heard the expression, right? Try it before you buy it, right? If you're looking to buy a car, that makes sense. You take a car for a test drive before you make a big investment. You always, you know, never buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first. So what's the problem with test driving a relationship before you make it permanent, living together before getting married? So I just want to start by playing devil's advocate because I'm just going to acknowledge to you that there are several seemingly good reasons for couples to live together. I talked to dozens and dozens of married and, and engaged couples and couples living together. And the number one thing I hear is, well, you know, there's three reasons. One, we want to save money. That's what a lot of couples say. They say, you know what? Her lease is up. My lease is up. And you know what? We're going to move in together. Now we're going to pay one rent. We're going to save on cable. We're going to go to Ikea. We're going to buy furniture. And, you know, we're going to have one dog and we can save money. The second reason I hear all the time is, well, Pastor Tim, we're, we want to road test the relationship. We want to check for compatibility. Most couples reason this. They say, well, it's cheaper, it's convenient, and it seems like a logical way to test for chemistry. It's all about chemistry. So you split the rent, you share toothbrushes, but you don't have the entanglements of commitment. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. Everyone can just kind of move on. And it's interesting. This is so important. 75% of couples who live together actually see it as a road test before marriage. In other words, they're not avoiding commitment. They want to get married, especially millennials. Young adults in their 20s and 30s have a much higher view of marriage than Generation X. See, generations often react to the generation before them. And most millennials, they've never seen what an intact marriage looks like. They have seen a lot of divorce. They've witnessed a lot of family breakdowns, and it's scarred them. And a lot of them are scared of, of making the same mistakes that their parents made. And that's the third reason, fear of failure. Couples will say to me, Pastor Tim, you know, we, we, we don't want to make the same mistakes. And so we're going to dip our toe into the water before we take the plunge into marriage. And, and can we just acknowledge there's a rationality to that. As I said, we test drive a car before we buy it. If you buy an outfit online and, you know, if it's not a fit, you take it back. 
there's only one problem with this. Your partner is not a consumer product, right? Unless you ordered a bride on Amazon. And uh, in social science, this is so fascinating, science shows us that there are few things more likely to sabotage a relationship before it gets started than living together. So today, I want to talk to a few groups of people. First, I want to talk to those of you who are in your 20s, your 30s, or your 40s. Maybe you are living together or you're, you're going to consider it at some point. Uh, it may be your first serious relationship. Or maybe, maybe you're divorced and you're actually wary of, of you know, getting married again. I want to give you some information today that will prove helpful to your relationship, even your future ones. I also want to talk to those of you with adult children, okay? Because some of you have, you know, your kids are in college or they're just out, they're 20s, 30s, whatever. This is likely a conversation you are going to have to engage at some point. When your son or daughter comes home and says, you know, mom or dad, hey, I'm really liking Monica. I think, in fact, she's the one. And so I'm going to ask her to move in with me. What do you think? You know, what do you say? What do you say? I want to talk to you. And then I want to encourage those couples here in our church right now who are living together, just to be clear, I have no judgment for you. I Literally, I, there's no condemnation for you. This is not like a bait and switch, like, come get a free book, wham, you know, like, oh, you're living in sin. That's not my heart, okay? It's just the opposite. We're doing a series on relationships because I want you to have a great one. I want your relationship to thrive. I want to blossom and become all God intended it to be. And if you're living together, that actually may be your heart. You may be like, that's why we're doing it. We're trying to field test this before it moves to marriage. And so I want to share with you some recent data for couples that you may not be aware of and just kind of help you weigh what, what your next step might be. So let me be clear. This is a judgment-free zone, okay? There's no guilt. There's no shame. You know what our pens say, right? Life is a journey, not a what? Guilt trip, okay? Especially if you're not a Christian. Maybe your friend invited you to church for this series and you don't even believe the Bible. You're skeptical about Christianity and you're like, it's one more restrictive religion that handcuffs people. That is totally fine. I understand. We've given you a lot of ammo <laughs> to think that way. But if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this is a chance for you today to eavesdrop and actually listen in on what Christians talk about. I want you to think of this like a family conversation around like kind of the kitchen table. And we're going to discuss this kind of delicate, touchy subject. So you get to kind of listen in. And if you don't judge us, we won't judge you, okay? And when we get to the Bible part, uh, you can just ignore it if you want, if you don't believe it. But I want you to lean in and listen at least today to what the science says. Because there is eye-opening data that our generation needs to know when it comes to relationships, regardless of your faith background. So those are the two sources I'm going to appeal to today. On the one hand, we're going to appeal to sacred scripture. Liquid is a Christ-centered, Bible-based church. So we preach out of the Bible, the Word of God. But then we're going to look at social science. What do modern sociologists say about this? Because it's absolutely fascinating. Two sources, the book of God and the book of nature. We teach from the Bible, which we saw last week, explains God's gift of marriage, kind of explains how it's supposed to work. And we learned that marriage is actually meant to reflect the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Our little marriages are supposed to be a, a reflection of the big marriage and head of God's unshakable, unconditional love for us. Marriage is supposed to be this like eternal relationship that's built on commitment and trust and, and lifelong, you know, shared responsibility. And I get this question all the time. Some people say, uh, you know, Pastor Tim, I know the Bible says, you know, you shouldn't live together. Um, but what verse is that? Where, where do you find that verse? You ever wonder that? I get that a bunch of times from people. And so let me tell you straight up. There is no one explicit verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not live together before getting married. Stay away from Ikea. There, there's, no, there's no Bible uh, verse that actually says specifically that. And there's a reason for that. Because cohabitation as a living arrangement simply was unheard of in biblical times. It's a relatively recent phenomenon, like gay marriage. That's one of the reasons the Bible never mentions it. This is a phenomenon that emerged over the last 60 years in Western culture. But in Bible times, living together wasn't even considered like a viable alternative. So the Bible never specifically addresses it. What the Bible does give us, however, is very specific guidelines about God's design for marriage and its sacred purpose. We looked last week at Ephesians 6, in which the Apostle Paul, he quotes from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and he describes marriage this way. Take a look. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and crashes at his girlfriend's apartment where they can buy a dog and share cable. 
That, <laughs> thank you, media people. That is the wrong slide. That is not the right slide. That's what the culture says, right? Here's how God says it. Here's a real scripture. It says, that's why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become, say that phrase together, right? One flesh. In other words, from God's perspective, a marriage is a leave and cleave event. Leave. You leave your father and mother. It implies that the man gives up all other relationships that were once a priority for him, even the most valuable one with his parents. And when he becomes a man, he leaves dad and mom, and his allegiance now lies 100% with the woman. There are no rivals. There's no competition. There's no contenders. She is it. So the man leaves and then cleaves to her. That's the King James Version word. It cleaves, and it means hold fast, like stuck together like super glue. God wants us to imagine this tight, close bond that is, is permanent. It's not easily, you know, broken, and it won't come apart without doing great damage to the two people who are bonded together. I, I, a good example of this, I was doing Legos with my son, and, you know, he makes these le- amazing Lego things, and they all fall apart after five days. So I get crazy glue, all right? I'm that guy from the movie. I'm Craigle, okay? And so I super glue his Legos together so they won't come apart. And one time, there's getting stuck to the table, and I was like, oh, no. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not paying attention. I'm getting the Legos off the table, and my for- forefinger and my thumb were pinched together. And I get them off the table, and I was like, okay, now don't do what? Don't do that again. I'm like, why is I've been giving it permanent? Okay, I literally super glued my pointer finger and thumb together and I couldn't get it. I'm like, oh no. So I rush to the bathroom. I pour warm water on it. Nothing. Colleen's like, try nail polish for nail polish. <gasps> Nothing. I literally couldn't get them apart. We had to tear them apart and it ripped part of my fingerprint off. Okay, it actually, in other words, it did damage to my identity. That's the picture God wants you to have in your head. One flesh, like super glue, a permanent bond between two souls. That's God's ideal, okay? His original purpose and design for marriage. And the problem is we live in the real world, right? We live in a world of divorce. We live in a world of heartache and all of that, no judgment. But I talk to so many 20 and 30-somethings who would like to be married someday, but they're quite cynical about their chances of having a stable, lasting marriage. Uh, as one 20-something recently said to me, you know, Tim, my parents got divorced uh, when I was nine. Uh, my grandparents are divorced both sides. And statistically, if my chances of actually a lasting marriage are 50-50 now, why bother flipping the coin? Even millennials fear that if they get married and it lasts, eventually it will grow boring and routine. The, the spirit of this age was captured in the movie Crazy Stupid Love. Have you seen the movie? Steve Carell uh, and Julianne Moore, they've been married 20 years, but they're that couple who like sits at a restaurant and they don't talk because they have nothing left to talk about. Their marriage is like boring and joyless and they live in the suburbs. And this one scene at a restaurant, they struggle to make small talk. And um, Steve Carell's looking at the menu and he's like, oh, I'm so full, you know, I shouldn't have eaten all that bread, you know. What do you, what do you want for dessert, you know? What do you, you want to split it one? And his wife doesn't say anything. She's just looking at the menu, and he's like, you okay? You seem, you know, a little off. And she's like, yeah, I'm just trying to think about what I want, you know. And he's like, me too. Why don't we just say it at the same time? One, two, three. And she goes, I want a divorce. And he goes, creme brulee. What? It was like this kind of moment. It's a movie for our times. Check out the trailer. 25 years of marriage, and you have nothing to say? I'll just say it. I slept with someone. If you keep talking, I'm going to get out of the car. I think the fact that I did it, it just shows how broken we are. How much, how much we really... Oh, my God! You're getting a divorce? Yeah. Amy heard you crying in the bathroom. We all thought it was cancer. Oh. Thank God, man. Yeah, that's my relationship. (laughs) Hi. Can I buy you a drink? Uh Uh-huh. Let's get out of here. Want to get out of here? What are you doing later? (laughs) I don't know. I do. There's lots of beautiful women in this bar, but I can't take my eyes off of you. It's time to go home. Oh, it's forward of you, but okay. Yeah. Should uh, I pull the car around? Have you been drinking? I'll drive. Hey, ladies man guy. Any tips of the trade? Your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man. Looking at, looking at, looking at me. Look at that. Mm. I met a girl, and she is a game changer. She's your soulmate, right? Go get her back. Wow, how old are you? I'm in love with her, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know when you and I stopped being us. You know, when I told you that I had to work late, I really went to see the new Twilight movie by myself. And it was so bad.
I'm not endorsing the movie, but I think it captures the spirit of our age, the, the, the zeitgeist. Crazy, stupid love. That's how the current generation views traditional marriage. They say you can either be married and bored or single and lonely. Those are the two options most young adults see. So it's no surprise then today that more than half of all adults will live together before getting married. In 1960, virtually nobody did. There has been a 1,500% increase in couples living together in the last 50 years. That's one generation, 1,500% increase. So today, the majority of young adults in their 20s will live with at least one romantic partner, and more than half of all couples will live together before trying marriage. So it's the new norm of modern love for the majority of couples. That my generation could kind of be called the up generation, right? Hook up in college and then, you know, shack up after that. And what drives that assumption is that most marriages are suffocating or unhappy. So young adults opt for something in between called friends with benefits. Living together seems to, you know, make sense, right? Let's see if you're compatible. Let's see if we have chemistry. Of course, the problem is, as we've been saying, no one is compatible, hence the title, you married the wrong person. If Colleen and I hadn't been married, if we had just moved in for five or six months, I guarantee she would have been back to daddy within the first 90 days. But we had a commitment, really, but we had a commitment that was higher than just us. It was a commitment to God, and so it made us kind of lean in, and we said, God, you're going to have to teach us. We're here to learn. How are we going to make this relationship work? See, Jesus Christ upholds God's original standard of marriage in the New Testament. We always go back to Jesus, okay? By the way, singles, if you're single, be encouraged. Jesus was single, and he lived a very fulfilling life. You never see Jesus, you know, wringing his hands. He's like, I'm turning 30, and I don't have anybody yet, you know. Is there somebody for me, you know? Jesus lived a life that literally changed history. He changed other people's lives. He changed the world. So if you're single, take heart, okay? In Matthew 19, Jesus talks about marriage and divorce, and he kind of expands the Old Testament teaching. Look what he says. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become, there it is again, one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no one what? Separate or divide. <laughs> if you've ever been to a wedding, you have heard those words spoken. That's the original source, Jesus. They're out of his mouth. That's why when I officiate a wedding, I put on a tuxedo, and these are the, the vows we read and everything. And Jesus is very clear that the relationship between the man and the woman is a marital covenant, not between them, but between them and God. And what's more is the guidelines Jesus gives for sexuality, like Jesus' sexual ethic, is actually very exclusive. He's like, it's actually between a husband and wife in the unbreakable bond of marriage. See, Jesus' view of marriage is exclusive. Everybody, you know, likes Jesus, but, you know, well, you know, there's gay marriage, you know, living together, times have changed and all of that. And Jesus, like, it actually excludes all other kinds of relationships, including cohabitation, regardless of how, like, the culture views the arrangement, regardless of how the couple thinks about it. And I understand. You may be like, dude, that's way too, you know, exclusive. It's way too narrow-minded. Because maybe you're a salad bar Christian. You know, you, you know salad bar Christianity? Like you kind of pick and choose what you like out of the Bible. But you're like, I think I'll take that. I'll take the thing about love, that part. No, no thanks. I don't like broccoli. Uh, right? Because there are Christians who say that. They say, Jesus is my Lord and Jesus is my Savior. And I, I like Jesus. He died for me. He's my Lord. He's Lord of my work. I love that series. He's Lord of my career. But my relationship, whoa, no, no. That's my business, Okay. Who I date, who I sleep with, how I handle my sexuality or living arrangements, no offense, Jesus, but that's my choice. <laughs> and Jesus is like, actually, I'm Lord of the ring or not at all. I'm the creator. I actually invented marriage. I invented sex. And so is it possible I know how it works best? So Jesus is like, I'd actually like to say, have a say in how your relationship goes. Even before it gets to the altar, would you be willing to have enough faith to invite me into this? Because Jesus is like, I want to be Lord of your whole life. Either I'm Lord of the relationship, I'm Lord of the ring, or not at all. And I realize, guys, this runs counter to what modern culture says, you know, sex is just biological. Why do you make a big deal about this? What's, you know, so it's easy to rationalize. But even if you don't believe the Bible or you're not a follower of Jesus yet, Put aside faith for a moment. We're just going to put the Bible on the shelf for a moment. You may be surprised to discover that social science itself 
supports what Scripture is saying. Sociologists have a phrase for this. It's called the cohabitation effect. And they say that nearly 100% of the time, living together always negatively impacts the trajectory of a relationship, mainly because of the ambiguity. The man and the woman who decide to live together have much different expectations going into it. Typically, sociologists say, the woman sees it as a step towards marriage. In other words, hey, we're moving in together. We're going to do the dishes. We're going to share holidays. This is like the conveyor belt to the ring. That's where this thing is going. She has faith in the relationship, whereas the guy typically sees it very differently. Hey, we're just hanging out. We're, we're, just, we're just having fun, okay? Let's, we're going to see how this thing goes. So just understand, from a pro-woman point of view, women are being sold a bill of goods with cohabitation because the man receives all of the benefits of marriage, right? Shared bills, regular sex, someone else to help cook and clean, all the benefits of marriage with none of the commitment, none of the responsibilities. The gap between men and women living together is a mile wide, the science says. Women see it as the next on-ramp to marriage because she concludes, if I can just get us kind of moved in and now we're buying a couch at Pottery Barn and we're doing dishes, this is one step closer to the ring of commitment. But guys, let's just be honest. From, from guys' perspective, a lot of times it's, we're just hanging out. We're just road testing this thing, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So the woman is getting sold a bill of goods from the beginning because she typically has strong expectations about where the relationship is going that are simply not shared by her partner. Social scientists call this ambiguity leads to a phenomenon known as sliding, not deciding. This is not the Bible. It's the New York Times. The New York Times had a trending article called The Downside of Cohabiting Before Marriage. And Meg Jay, she's a clinical psychologist at the University of Virginia, she described it this way. She said, moving from dating to sleeping over to sleeping over a lot to actually moving in together is a new ceremony not marked by rings or vows or anything. And here's what she says. Look at the quote. She says, women are more likely to view cohabitation as a step towards marriage while men are more likely to see it as a way to test a relationship or postpone commitment. In other words, couples who move in together, they're rarely on the same page to begin with about marriage. And instead of actually saying, you know what, we're going to intentionally progress the relationship itself, they settle for sliding into a domestic arrangement for the sake of convenience. And it feels exhilarating at first, right? Instead of sleeping on your roommates, you know, junky futon, uh, you know, you get to go to Ikea or, you, or Pottery Barn, we're getting adult furniture, and now you share wireless and pets and, you, and you know, all that kind of great stuff. The problem is, the New York Times article said, the decision to part ways becomes extremely difficult. The article profiles this young woman, true life story, named Jennifer, who she felt her boyfriend never really committed to her. Listen to her, her words. She says, I felt like I was on this multi-year, never-ending audition to be his wife. We had all this furniture, we had our dogs and all the same friends, and it just made it really, really difficult to break up. Then it was like we got married because we were living together once we got into our 30s. Very romantic, right? That's how all women envision it. But basically, the article talks about how Jennifer and her boyfriend, they lived together for four years, and then when she said, you know what? This relationship isn't going anywhere, and if you don't take it to the next level, I'm going to leave. And so he said, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to get a ring. And so the article describes they had this lavish wedding in wine country in Sonoma. And less than a year later, they filed for divorce. In other words, in a sad twist, watch, sliding into living together is far riskier statistically than actually taking the risk of committing to traditional marriage. See, social science proves what sacred scripture preaches. For a relationship to last, you got to put a ring on it first. You remember that song? All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I'll make you stumble. I know more dance moves for me. That's the first book of Beyonce, okay, right there. And uh, the truth is that's the reality because there's got to be the shared sense of commitment regardless of what the couple thinks. Both tend, in living together, you tend to be less committed to the relationship, even if you go on to get married. You're handicapped from the start because cohabitation trains both the man and the woman uh, have this perspective that basically um, creates this kind of dynamic where they're more manipulative, more self-interested because I want to keep my options open. I never come in onto what's committed. I come in on what's convenient for me over what's honorable. See, that's a big piece of God's equation. Back to scripture. Weave it back in. Look at Hebrews 13. It says, marriage should be, what's the word, church? Say it honored by all, and the marriage bed kept what? Pure. 
In other words, from God's perspective, it's about honor and it's about purity. It doesn't matter if you've made mistakes, but in a sense, when you play house without committing to marriage, the man is conditioned to hedge his bets. Instead of saying, I'm going to lay down my life for this woman, it's like, you know what, I'm actually going to keep my options open. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to do what's right for me, and I'm going to reap all the benefits without any of their responsibilities. That's the relational dynamic that gets set up. And guys, guys, I don't mean to throw us under the bus, but ladies, you got to understand this. When you give a man sex without a commitment to marriage, you are literally throwing away his prime motivation for making a commitment in the first place. I'm just going to talk honestly about this, all right? We can dress this up. Have you ever heard the phrase, you know, why buy a cow when you can get the milk for free? I re- you know, it's so condescending. It's terrible. So we're like, that's awful. Uh, I remember my parents' generation used to say that, you know. Mom would say to her daughter, like, you know, you may think that boy will marry you because you, you're going to sleep with him, but why is he going to buy the cow if he gets the milk for free? Ladies, I'm not calling you a cow. Don't email me. It's not a sexist comment, but it is reality. I am going to dive into this topic of sex next week, but you need to understand, this is a number one primary motivator for men, 100% of them. And, and you may, I get it, you're judging me right now. You're like, that's disgusting, you know? Men are all pigs, you know? Why does it have to be always about sex? You know, marriage should be about, you know, love and, and companionship. Listen, ladies, I'm going to tell you straight, listen to me. If all we were after were love and companionship, we just go buy a golden retriever and be done with it. All right, I'm just telling you. Sex is highly motivational to about 97% of men. You may be in that category where you're like, you're like, well, that's strange. It's different in our marriage. And I get that there are anomalies. If you're married to a woman who's more into sex than you, I think I speak on behalf of all men when I say, we hate you. All right? I don't, I don't, don't, don't raise your hand. I'm just telling you. Regardless of marital status... Listen, I'm serious. Guys, gals, when you give it up to a guy without commitment, you are sabotaging your relationship. You are shooting yourself in the foot. You may think, oh, it's going to help us bond. It's going to draw us closer. But you're giving him all of the benefits with none of the responsibilities. See, one of the reasons God designed marriage was as protection for the woman and the children who resulted the fruit of the union. And the research confirms this time and time again. It shows that a woman with a ring on her finger is much more powerful player in the relationship. I've seen this. When I go out with my friends, if we're, you know, we go out for dinner or a movie or, you know, we go to the gym or something like that at night, the guys who are married, what happens inevitably is they start looking at their watch, right? And they're like, they're like, man, I got to get home. Okay, I got to get home. And, and, and if I get home on time, you know, there may be a treat for me, you know, kind of thing. But if you, even if you just pull sex out of it, listen, listen. Most husbands actually enjoy going home to their wives. I know, I do. I was away this week. I couldn't wait to get home to Colleen. You know why? I just enjoy being with her. But most single guys, they look at their watch and they're like, dude, no worries. I'll get home when I get home. Men understand that the power and influence of a woman is stronger and more influential when she has a ring on her finger. That's what Chuck and Amanda discovered in their radical approach to engagement, dating, and marriage. They literally took the road less traveled because Chuck said, I want to honor Amanda. And Amanda said, I want to honor Christ. And together, they made a decision to do something radical. They're going to tell you about it. I want to show you the second half of the story. This is radical in their dating. It was radical in their engagement because they bucked the trend of so many in our generation. So I'm a teacher. um, And a lot of my coworkers essentially live together or... Um, would live together before they were married. So some of them are married and they would explain to me that, you know, that's a necessity that you need to live together. But some were currently engaged and they had already bought a house and they were living together that way. And they had told me many reasons. You know, we're doing this for financial reasons. We're doing this (laughs) for practice. You know what I mean? Like all the way down to that kind of thing. Um, So they asked me naturally, you know, when are you going to be moving to where you guys are going to live? And I said, well, that's going to happen after I'm married. And they said, well, what are you talking about? You know, you're not going to live in together? And, and I said, no. And I said, to be honest with you, um, we haven't even kissed each other. And uh, they flipped out. What do you mean? And by this point, I was engaged to Amanda. So it was, they thought, what do you mean you haven't even kissed each other yet? And that was something that the two of us had decided that we wanted to save our first kiss to be um, on our wedding day. So living together was never an option for me. Uh, I know that it's the norm among a lot of friends, medical school, college, it's just sort of happened. Um, But it was never even something I thought of as a possibility. I knew that God really wanted us to save 
are a safe sex for marriage and he really wanted us to maintain those boundaries and so I never even thought of it. I, I often knew that I wanted to keep the boundaries as firm as possible so that I was falling in love with the man and he was falling in love with me and not with the physical side of the relationship. We had made sure that we, we didn't spend a lot of time alone in the house. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were going out and, and there were multiple reasons for that. Um, you know, instead of even staying at home and watching a movie on TV, we figured let's go to the movies, let's go out and enjoy each other that way. The goal is to fall in love with each other. You know, I wanted to date her, not the physical aspect. The day of our wedding was absolutely incredible. Knowing how much my family loved him, genuinely loved him as a son, just meant so much to me. My father, who's primarily in a wheelchair walking me down the aisle, is you know, just brought me to tears on our wedding day and seeing Chuck waiting for me. The people that were telling me, you need to live with her to see what's going on, our first kiss was something that they commented quite a bit on. You know, and they said, and a lot of them ended up coming up to me and honestly saying, you know what, I wish that we would have done that. And I think that they realized, you know what, maybe they, they didn't need to live together. Uh, and the love that they have is genuine and real, and it was just, it was genuinely a celebration when we had our first kiss. And it was awesome. It was worth waiting for that day. I would say to a girlfriend who's asking, you know, do I compromise or do I wait for God's best? Wait. It is so worth the wait. One thing I absolutely loved was the very first time we walked into our new home together. It was the very first time we walked into our new home together. There'll never be a question afterwards of, well, why does he love me? You're going to feel a sense of trust in that love and knowing that that person's going to be with you forever, it, it just allows that love to grow, I think, a lot more freely and be genuine and be authentic. So never, never give in. Know that it's worth the wait. And when God has something for you, it's going to be incredible because no one loves you the way God loves you. Can we hear for Chuck and Amanda? That's a pretty amazing story. That's counterculture, right? Now, I'm not putting that up there. So like, see, they're perfect. You got to be perfect. But they took the road less traveled. And at one point in the relationship, they said, we're both deciding we're going to make Jesus Lord of the Rings. And they will tell you it was hard. It was challenging. They were made fun of by their friends, but they held fast to their convictions because they said, we want to make the wise choice. We're going to take the wisdom of scripture along with the wisdom of social science. You know what wisdom is? I've heard wisdom defined as knowledge plus scars. Yeah? In other words, they said, we're going to make a wise choice and a short-term investment so we can lay a foundation for long-term happiness. And others look at that and they envy that, right? And I look at that and I'm like, man, you think God is going to honor that? Oh, gosh, you bet he will. So I want you to understand this, guys. Living together, sociologists say, is not like a subset of marriage. Sociologists say it's more of a subset of being single. In other words, couples who live together, they don't act or think like married couples. They resemble, sociologically, like two single people who are living together and sort of like roommates. In fact, in cohabiting relationships, the guy is four times more likely to be unfaithful to his partner than a married man. In other words, with a ring on his finger. Now watch this. Before, ladies, before you get all judgy towards men, ladies, this will surprise you. Women living with a guy are eight times more likely to be unfaithful to their partner, double what the man is. And you're like, what? No way. Why? Answer, because women aren't as interested in sex as they are in intimacy. Closeness, snuggling, relationship. The female heart yearns to be cared for yearns to be loved exclusively and cherished above all else. And in cohabitation, they get sex, but less intimacy, and so they seek it elsewhere. So living together actually undermines fidelity on both genders and conflict resolution. If you actually uh, read the book, you know I open this by quoting from 1 Corinthians 7, right? Those who marry will face, what? Many troubles in this life. You don't see that little nugget on a Hallmark card too often, do you? Every couple, dating, engaged, cohabiting marriage is going to have conflict. In fact, I always write this. I like to write this in front of little wedding cards. I'm like, you know, blessings, 1 Corinthians 7, you know, too late for you kind of thing. Uh, you know, no one looks it up. But, uh, but all the data, that's <laughs> true, all the data, now you're going to go back and look in your cards. Did he write that to us? All the, listen, all the data show that couples who live together have more conflict and deal with it less healthy than married couples do. 
Because couples who cohabitate tend to be more manipulative in their interactions with each other. In the book, um, The Ring Makes All the Difference by Glenn Stanton, he tells a true story of one couple who basically her little niece was having, you know, a, a pizza party, and somebody has to wear the Barney costume. You know what I'm talking about? And most husbands, if there's a birthday party, they're like, I get it. I know who's wearing the Barney costume, right? But if the couple lives together, the guy's like, you know what? I don't actually know your little niece. You know, she's not related to me, and I'm going away for the weekend with my buddies, so, you know, have fun wearing the Barney costume. In other words, he hasn't bought in. And so then the live-in girlfriend has to be more manipulative towards him, using guilt, using bribes, using sex, whereas a husband is like, I get it. I understand what I have to do. Give me the dinosaur head, you know, and they put it on. Because wives put their hands on their hips, and they give them the stink eye, right? And husbands are like, I know what this means, right? Well, you can know this. A girlfriend does that, give you the stink eye. It's like, see ya, have fun at the party. Because my freedom trumps my faithfulness to this family. And so it leads to more conflict and healthy ways of resolving it. So understand, when couples marry, and you, we're gonna, you're going to disagree, you're going to have conflict about all the stuff everyone has, money, sex, finances, you're going to bring in unconsciously negotiation and manipulation into the relationship, which is going to put rocks in your backpack from the beginning. So it is self-sabotage to the couple and to the kids. Guys, the data is breathtaking. The data is sobering. And social science proves what sacred scripture preaches. For a relationship to last, you need to put a ring on it first. And that's why at Liquid this month, we want to honor and celebrate marriage. Our goal is to elevate marriage. And you know what? You need to know this. You don't have to be a statistic. You don't actually have to go blindly along with what our generation does and what the trend line is. You can, I'm giving you hope today, if you're single, if you're living together, you can actually approach your relationship in a countercultural way that honors your partner and honors God. And guess what? Right now in this room at your campus, you are surrounded by dozens and dozens of married couples at your campus who have beaten the odds with the help of Jesus Christ. Quick show of hands, watch this. Any couples here married more than 10 years? Raise your hand if you've been married more than 10 years. Keep them up, keep them up. More than 20 years? More than 20 years? More than 30 years? Wow, more than 40 years? Oh, more than 50 years? I read about you in Genesis. That's amazing, man. I can give them a hand. That's, praise God for you. You guys are our inspiration. You're our, thank you for your sacrifice. You're giving us hope. And to honor you guys and all of you who are married at Liquid, we want to do something special, something we've never done before in the history of Liquid Church. For the first time ever, on Saturday, February 28th, we are hosting a renewal of wedding vows for married couples at Liquid who, if you want to renew your marriage vows, we're going to do it. So if you've been married 10 years or more, we would, and you'd like to renew your wedding vows, this is your chance. On February 28th, we are going to deck out our mountainside campus. It is our traditional-looking church. It's got a white steeple, stained glass. We're going to have flowers. We're going to have a photographer. We're going to have like a cake boss kind of cake, all that whole thing. And liquid pastors are going to be dressing up, some in suits, some in tuxedos. And we're going to officiate short ceremonies for married couples who want to renew their vows. Now, I'm telling you this, space is limited. Not everybody's going to be able to do this. You have to sign up today. You need to go to liquidchurch.com. You can download the details, book a time to do this. But this is a great opportunity to see if you still fit your, you know, your tux, guys. You know, like, oh, gosh, do I see? You know, what, ladies, do you still fit your wedding dress, right? Right, 10 years, 10 pounds. It, oh, I know. Whoa, God. You got to be careful with that. I found, this is, listen to this. Should I go there? Let's go there. A recent study found that wives who carry a little extra weight live longer than husbands who mention it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. I'll be here all night. Thank you. So husbands and wives, sign up when you get home. It's going to be a fun day. You can invite your kids. They can be part of the ceremony. And we're going to have a little reception with music and DJ, cake boss, all that stuff, and celebrate it. And listen, listen, here's a chance for some of you couples to take a next step. Maybe God's been speaking to your heart. He's been speaking to your heart for some time. Maybe today it wasn't just conviction. It just confirmed it. And it confirmed in your mind that, you know what, I want to honor God. And this is my moment. To take a step and actually make a commitment to my partner. If you're living together, we will perform a free wedding for you. We will pay for everything on February 28th. So if you want to honor God, we will marry you at Mountainside on that Saturday. We're going to have, you know, photographers, all that stuff. It's very easy. We'll provide all the details. In fact, 
we are giving away a free weekend cruise for one lucky couple, all right? So you can get married, then you can go to Newark and, uh, you know, cruise out on your honeymoon and all that. But we've had spontaneous weddings before. This is cool. In New Brunswick this fall, look at this. A couple named Raphael and Jody who were living together, they decided to get married after a sermon on the Holy Spirit. Basically, they were like, we, we finally just realized, like, obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. And so Roth told Jody that he wanted to make things right. In the eyes of God, they went to see Pastor Kyle. and said, hey, we, you know, we feel like God's telling us we need to get married. And he's like, great, let's meet for coffee this week. They're like, no, like today. Uh, and they had a little ceremony right there in the hotel. Pass, give him a hand. Pastor Kyler officiated this because they said, we want to make Jesus Lord of the Rings. So couples, if you feel God's speaking to you, February 28th is a prime opportunity to make Christ Lord of the Rings. If you're a couple who's like, you know, we've all tried it, you know, our way, but we're finally ready. We want to do it God's way. We would love to perform a ceremony. Just a simple thing, nothing complicated. Just go to liquidchurch.com or talk to your campus pastor. We'll arrange the details and pronounce you husband and wife this, this month. Now, I want to close. I want to close. Actually, let me close by speaking to all the singles here. And I want to, I want to talk to you like a son or daughter. Can we do that? I realize, like, I'm, I'm young, but I am a father. I got a, um, a 12-year-old daughter. You know, someday I know some guy's going to come talk to me, you know. And uh, no, I like, listen, 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 I, I, I have, I had genuinely like for my daughter, I have a father's heart for you. Like I want the best in relationships for you. I really do. So I just want to speak to you tenderly. All right. Like a father would talk to a son or daughter who, who's going to come home one day and say, you know, dad, I, I really love Monica. I think she may be the one and I, I, I'm going to ask her to move in with me. What do you think? If you were my son or daughter, you know what I would say to you? The first thing I would do is I would say, I'm going to feel the two things. I'm going to speak first to your head, and then I want to speak to your heart. I want to give you the collective wisdom of both faith and science, the wisdom of Scripture and the data of social science. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is I'm going to be like, God has made you smart. You are smart, and you are intelligent, and you are beautiful. And everything from ancient wisdom to modern science says the same thing that what you are hoping living together is going to do, strengthen you, bond you, deepen you, living together is going to do the exact opposite. I want to speak to your head. There's, there's just no statistical research that points to any positive benefits to living together beyond convenience. That's just a factual statistic. The gap is a grand canyon between men and women, what they think cohabitation will do and what science says it does. But secondly and more importantly, I want to talk to your heart. Because from God's perspective, the heart is central. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your what? Guard your, your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. In other words, your heart is where God does his deepest work inside of you. And I would say to you, beyond your earthly father, your heavenly father says, will you trust me with your heart? Will you, will you trust that my design my purposes and my ways are higher than your ways. You're my son. You're my daughter. Would you trust that my ways are higher than your ways and my thinking is higher than your thinking? And will you trust me even when you can't see it? Faith is believing that Father knows best. And so this may be a moment to invite God into that relationship. And actually say, Jesus, for the first time ever, I want you to be Lord of the Rings. I submit my relationship to you. I want to honor and I want to love that woman or that man the way you loved and honored me on the cross. So in the end, you know, I, you know, I'm, I hope my son would say someday, I hope he'd come in. I hope he'd say, Pop, I'm going to marry Monica. I've been thinking about this a lot and I've asked the Lord about it and I'm going to honor him and I'm going to honor her and I'm going to put a ring on her finger. I'm going to do it right. You know what I'd say? I'd say, son, that's what it means to be a man. Men don't just linger around the side of a pool and dip their toe in. We're wired to dive in, guys. And you may feel over your head. But do you trust God? Do you trust that the one who called you out of the boat will meet you in the water, will teach you how to swim? Marriage is a manly, masculine thing to do. So men, you guard her heart because it belongs to her Father in heaven. And I'm mindful of women who are here right now. And you may, you may just feel anxious or nervous about that relationship. And I just want to encourage you today. As a daughter of the Most High God, you are dearly loved. You are accepted. You are loved exclusively. And Jesus has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the pressure's off. 
You, you, you already have an eternal relationship with Christ waiting, a marriage waiting for you in heaven. You know what that means? God will give you the patience and the wisdom and the courage to wait for the right one here on earth. And in the meantime, God has surrounded you by a lot of people who love you in this church, including me, and your campus pastor, our spiritual care team. In fact, I want to invite our campus pastors. Would you guys come on up front of the stage at all our campuses? And our spiritual care teams, come on up. These are people who have been praying for you all week. We know relationship series are hard. And we're like, we just want to love on you and encourage you and breathe life into you. And so today is a day we're going to end the service by inviting people up to pray for you. Anybody. doesn't matter if you're single or you're married or you're living together. If you would just like us to pray for your relationship, you want to talk to somebody, come forward at the end of the service. Talk to your campus pastor or spiritual care team. Just let us encourage you and, and pray for you. Would you just bow your heads right now, all of our campuses? We want to invite the Lord. The Holy Spirit's already speaking to people. Father God, we bow our heads in submission. We lift up Jesus. I thank you for your children, your sons and daughters in this room. God, would they catch your heart for them? God, would they catch your heart? Would they look to the cross and see the love of Christ unto death and say, I want that, and they have it in Jesus Christ? God, right now, I pray for men and women who are married, Father God. Would you protect? Would you bless? Would you put a hedge around their relationships, God? Would you let their marriages, though they're not perfect, be a mirror of your unconditional love for us? Father God, I pray for all the single men and women, all the single ladies. God, I pray right now, just supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, pour into them patience, courage, and wisdom to wait for your best. Be with them every step of the way, Father God. We ask that in Jesus' name, all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.